Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Accounting Twins Podcast Book Club Edition. My name is Norma. My name is Becky. And we are so excited that you are here today. As you know, for the past few months, we have been reading Advice for a Successful Career in the Accounting Profession, How to Make Your Assets Greatly Exceed Your Liabilities by Jerry McGinnis. We're almost done with the book club, but today we're going to be focusing on chapters 15 and 16. Chapter 15 is titled Character Treat That Can Help You Succeed. And so there's a lot of things that can go into your success. And um, as you're going down the path to success and but there's also things that can happen that you didn't plan for that can frustrate you. Like, I know me, I like planning ahead. And if there's even one little road bump, I'm like, grr, like, I don't like it. But sometimes it's a good thing that you don't expect that comes out. And it's great. So this chapter is just all about traits that can help you succeed. And the first one that McGinnis brings up is attitude. I think, personally, that attitude is probably one of the most important traits. Wouldn't you think so, Bex? I would agree. I always have the saying, like, if you believe you can achieve, and yes, that's like 99. That's right 99% of the time. Like, if you have a good attitude, you can get through what you're doing. If you have a bad attitude, you're not going to get through it. You're going to get stumped. Everybody can tell when you have a bad attitude, too. On page 112, McGinnis states, it's critical to realize that your attitude can either be an asset or a liability. First off, that makes me laugh because, you know, accounting, asset liability. But it is very much a true statement because, it's, again, if you're having a good attitude, everybody can tell. They're going to want to work with you. They know that you're positive. They know that you're a go-getter. But if you have a bad attitude, if you're driving everybody down, if you're a negative Nelly, it's not really something that people are going to work with. Yeah. And um, a good attitude, it, like McKenna says, is an asset and it can really help you. So like, you can still have unfortunate things happen in your life, in your professional life, anything. Um, there could be roadblocks in the way. But if you have a good attitude, you don't let these things drive your day or you don't dwell on them. And this is, I feel like this is something I actually need to work on. Because like if something happens and I don't plan for it, I'm like, oh, dang it. And it just kind of like ruins my mood for the day. And it just come, I keep just like going down the spiral. So like just have like a really good attitude. Sometimes people might see a bad situation and they should be able to think, how can I use this situation to benefit myself? How I can turn this situation around. So always kind of like just looking for the positive in everything and having a good attitude can be great for an accountant, especially when like busy season or even like Becky with quarter end. I feel like you were super busy and exhausted, but I think you had a good attitude throughout it. I did. I really took it as a learning situation and a learning possibility. Again, quarter close was something I had never done. I was pulling like 10, 11 hour days. I was almost never home. I was honestly like eating really crappy because I was gone all the time and I like came home and I didn't want to eat. But I saw it as a learning opportunity. I was like, wow, like this is something I've never done before. This can help me figure out what rotation I may want to do. This is something that's benefiting the company. I get to go into the office and I get to hang out with these awesome people. I get to tie out the financial statements that are literally be being quoted word for word in our 10Q and in our shareholder letter. Like, I definitely took it as an opportunity and not a setback. Yeah. So I think that's a great example of just how attitude is really important as an accountant. And I think one thing or another trait that McGinnis brings up 
which a lot of people, I guess, don't dwell on and they need to focus on more is empathy. Because as an accountant, whether in public or private, you're going to be spending a lot of time with other people. Like we've said this entire podcast, if you're an accountant, you're not sitting alone at a desk. You're talking to the other people within your department. You're talking to other people who aren't even in your department, trying to understand like the economic reality of what's going on in a transaction. So when you're working with these other people, you need to have a sense of empathy. If like, for example, if you're a tax preparer and people send in their tax forms super late and it takes you forever to um, fill it out because you're still waiting for them, sometimes you might just need to have a little empathy thinking, okay, yes, maybe they were just lazy, but also why were they late? Like there could have been something external that you don't know about as to why they were turning all this in so late. So don't be insensitive to what another person might be going through. And the better you can react to the stuff, the more people will want to work with you. Exactly. Remember, not everybody's going through the same situations as you. Not everybody can handle things the same way as you. So you need to be very empathetic and very understanding of other people's external circumstances that you may not even know about. Another important quality of being able to be successful is commitment. On page 13, it's just that dedication to a long-term goal is a common trait of success successful people in virtually all occupation. If you're committed to the cause and committed to the bit, you're going to want to get it done. If you're committed, you're going to want to have empathy to show people that you care. If you're committed, you're going to want to have a good attitude. Don't just do something to get the job done. Get to know the ins and out of a company. It's people. It's work. All of the tiny little nitty gritty things. And don't be afraid to try new things. When you're committed to something, you're in it for the long haul. You want to show people that you're not there just to get the paycheck, to get the work done. You're committed to the betterment of the company. Yeah, and I think commitment needs to be heavily emphasized to I would say people in our generation Becky because sometimes I feel like not a lot of people our age have the long-term like focus or the long-term point of view so they might be taking the easy way out at some points but like like studying for my CPAs right now is horrible but I'm committed to being a CPA and to having that CPA career and audit career so I know that this rough time is going to be worth it. I'm committed to doing the best that I can to reach my goal. And another trait that goes into being a successful accountant with commitment is hard work. You have a lot of hard work as being an accountant and there's no shortcuts. You really have to do put your best effort and you can't slack off. Exactly. Like when you're working hard, you're committed to it. To me, Everything that we're saying, all the pieces of success are kind of like hand in hand. You know how you have those friends and you're like, oh, no, we're two peas in a pod. We're a package deal. If you want me, you want her. This is this is also the same thing. If you want hard work, you got to have commitment and empathy and attitude. If you want hard work, you got to have initiative and perseverance. If you want commitment, you got to have hard work. If that's making sense. They're kind of like what I really like in the book that McGinnis does is he shows the importance of each of these traits, but he also shows how they're important as a collective, not just hard work, A, then initiative, A, it's like hard work and initiative go together, or our commitment and hard work go together. Like, it's not one one or the other, it's all of the above. And I think he does a really great job at, like, emphasizing the, that. Exactly. And another trait that goes into all of this, this whole pee in a pod thing, is initiative. 
Go the extra mile. Be active. Be proactive. Things change every day in the accounting industry, and you can't wait for someone to come along and change it for you. You need to change it yourself. Don't be afraid to try a new thing. Find new ways to do things. Question what you're doing. Rethink what you're doing. If you have the initiative, you can make things better for you in the long run, and you can also change a person and their company. What I've learned, well, now that I'm no longer a graduate student, what I learned in my audit class this past semester is like initiative and innovation kind of go hand in hand because innovation is taking old things and having a new twist to them to see how you can do better and be more efficient. So by taking initiative and trying something new, you might actually help yourself in the long run. And in the long run, it's just, you just need to keep that going. Exactly. And to be successful, you also have to have perseverance. Like we've talked about, don't let setbacks fail you. You have to have a good attitude. When you encounter something that may set you back, try, try again. Remember, people say, like, it's not about the amount of times you succeed. It's about the amount of times you fail. Because if you push through your failures, you'll succeed. And on page 115, perseverance is also described as, oh, excuse me. On page 115, Megan states that persistence is also key to understanding the perseverance definition. It means to keep coming back when others give up. If you persevere, you're going to find ways to get things done. You're going to find ways to be better. If you give up on the first try, you're not benefiting yourself. You're not benefiting your coworkers. You're not benefiting the company. You're not benefiting anyone. And with perseverance comes resilience and mental toughness, which I think is amazing that McGinnis put in here because we all know that accounting is a very, not gruesome, but taxing, (laughs) taxing job because you have all of those long hours and stuff. But you need to have mental toughness to be like, okay, yes, I'm working 50, 60 hours this week, but that's okay. It's, it's not the end of the, end of the world. You just need resilience takes practice. You're not born with it. Sometimes it can be hard, as McGinnis says. So you just need to slowly learn, or I guess not slowly, but you need to learn as you go that you need to have the mental toughness to be an accountant because it is a very taxing job. Exactly. We just talked about perseverance and it kind of, to me, goes hand in hand with resilience. You have to be able to continue forward with it, even if you don't want to. Resilience takes practice again. You aren't born with it again. But you've got to do it. If you are committed to the bit, if you want to have a good attitude, if you believe in hard work, you're going to be resilient towards what you do. And if you're resilient, your teammates can be resilient. And another important thing is teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. Like, that's, woo, woo. that's the biggest thing. You are never going to be working mainly by yourself as an accountant. Uh, I mean, maybe you're doing individual work by yourself, but it's all part of a larger picture that other people are working on. Accounting requires collaboration, communication, and teamwork. It's not a one-man job. You should find everyone's strengths and weaknesses and work around it. And sometimes as a team individuals will have to make sacrifices. Not everything can go as planned. Maybe you have to work on something that isn't your strong suit, but you got to do it because again, we're here to work as a team, not individuals. This is a team sport. It's not like we're doing individual swimming. We're doing a relay race right now and everybody has to do their own part. Yeah. So like examples of teamwork will obviously would be like an engagement team. You're sure you might be doing some reconciliations or work papers by yourself, but you're always going to ask your team for help or like 
an example that I was, I'm not, say, always think of that that comes to mind is whenever I'm asking Becky about her day and she's like, oh, I worked on this with someone else. Like she's, I don't know what it is exactly she was doing, but she works with her boss a lot. But then today um, I was talking to Becky. She's like, oh yeah, I've just been doing a lot of stuff by myself. She wouldn't be able to do that if it weren't for teamwork early on with um, others she was working with, telling her what to do and how to do it correctly. So teamwork is helpful in the long run because you're teaching people as you go too. Exactly. We're all pieces of a puzzle and together that puzzle is teamwork, but you have to have individuals to do it. But you can't just have individual puzzle pieces. You got to connect each other. Yeah. And I guess the last like super important character of being characteristic of being successful is emotional intelligence. It's huge. Like as we've said in the podcast, in this book episode, accounting is taxing. You're going to be mentally, emotionally trained. So you need to have the emotional intelligence, know how to read the room. McGinnis says on page 116 that you need to use emotional intelligence to guide thinking and behavior and adjust your emotions to adapt to the environment. So maybe you're having an off day and just don't want to talk to anyone, want to kind of be with by yourself, but you have a, a meeting with your team. You need to have the emotional intelligence to be like, okay, I'm going to take a step back, not let my bad attitude affect this and what's going on. You have to be able to like read the room. And I know that's weird to put in a workspace environment. Let's say somebody's going through a really hard time. You have to have the empathy, ding, 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 and the emotional intelligence to know, maybe don't give them another hard project today. Maybe say, go home, take the rest of the day off, fill your cup, do what you need to do. Have the emotional intelligence to understand you're not the only person in the room. And sometimes you could do something to make something easier on someone else. It's not all about you. Yeah. So I guess that wraps up section two for us um, from the book. And we're going to start section three about building your success as your career advances. And we're going to start off with chapter 16 for that. And it's funny because the first thing that McGinnis talks about on how to build your success is him giving advice on how to avoid burnout. Becky and I need this. I need this. I I mean, I've been reading this book like over and over for the past few months, but I really should have taken this into heart and like applied it because you all know I've been burnt out studying school and work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm burnt out right now. Like work has been so much lately, not in a bad way, but I'm just doing a lot. And I really need to take this chapter into perspective and help it help me. We We all know what burnout is. It's being exhausted, it's being tired, having a dead emotional battery, mental battery, and we, we know what it is. And McGinnis says that a high percentage of accountants eventually change jobs or leave the profession due to burnout. Now, what, why do you think auditing or public accounting has such a high turnover rate? Because everyone gets burnt out. There are a lot of reasons for this, which you always hear Becky and I talk about on the podcast because there's because of the CPA pipeline and not us public accountants. But so many uh, public accountants or even private accountants change jobs and want to leave their profession. It's no secret that there's less accountants in the past because of sale, because of burnout and overworking and tight deadlines. So yes, there's stuff that needs to change within the profession. 
to avoid this, but there's also stuff that you as a professional can do to avoid burnout or help mitigate burnout. Don't let your work consume you. Don't let it absorb you. Like, don't let it be like a beanbag and you're just suffocating into the beanbag into quicksand. You got to stand up out of the beanbag, stand up out of the quicksand and be like, no, 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 you cannot do this to me. You have to find a work-life balance. Find things you enjoy. Have a hobby. Be with friends and family, especially during busy season. During busy season, you might be getting consumed by work. You might be working a trillion hours a week when there's not even a trillion hours in a week. (laughs) But you have to take time out of your day. Even if it's just being like, I know that obviously you're going to be working insane hours during busy week. But even just being like, I'm taking two hours off. I'm making myself a nice dinner. I'm going to go sit with my family, watch my favorite reality TV show, go play with my kids. Like whatever you can do, you should do. What do you, what did you do during like quarter end that helped you with burnout? During quarter end, while I was quarter close, super busy with work, I was also super busy socially, which you would think I wouldn't be, but I actually was super busy with my social life because I knew that if I just came home from work, turned on the TV and ate dinner, like I was going to be dead. I would only be spending my time during work. So actually like Three to four days of the week, I had social plans, whether with dinner, my friend would come over and watch a movie. Um, I saw my friend who came in town for the first time in a year. Like I was constantly doing things to fill my mental and emotional cup and because work was kind of depleting. And I also just took time to myself where I did not, while on one hand, I did completely see people all the time. I also made sure there was one or two nights a week where I quite literally did nothing, like not even cook. Like I would get takeout food because I was so tired. And I would just sit and I would relax and I would TikTok time. I would FaceTime my mom and Norma. And I found the ways to balance out the depletion of my emotional battery while also filling it up. Yeah. When I feel like this is so relevant to me right now because right now I'm pulling like 60 70 hours weeks studying for my cpa exams and i think i'm doing i learned from my first two exams on how to avoid the burnout i am done at 9 p.m at night unless like i slept in in the morning and have to stay up later but i'm done i watch my reality tv and dance moms or i read a book but and the thing is i tried to do it like out of my room because i am so always in my room studying um i try to just get out of my room. And this sounds weird or not weird, but a way that I'm avoiding burnout is I'm studying outside of my room. I'm going to coffee shops now. So it's really nice. I'm, I'm treating myself to a little coffee, but also getting out of my room. And honestly, I would say that's helped me with burnout a lot, Becky. Like, you've known how much study I've done. Like, you think I would have had a mental breakdown right now, huh? I'm kind of surprised you haven't. Like, you've had a little, like, setback every once in a while, but I really think getting out of your room is helping because If you were just in your room studying, you're also in your room sleeping, you're also in your room maybe to eat dinner because you're also studying at the same time. Like getting out of your room has helped you so much because it's like, I'm going to go treat myself to a little coffee that might be a little too expensive, but I'm going to sit in a new environment. I'm going to get out of my room and I'm going to do something for myself, which I think is really, really important. I was going to say another way that I've been avoiding burnout, which McGinnis actually talks about, which I think people really need to do. It's just like the staying physically and mentally fit. Like you don't have to be this hardcore workout person. But like my friend and I, who's also studying for her CPA exams, 
we go on walks like every day or two. It's nice because it's a little it's a little social thing for us to do to talk and hang out and vent about our studying. But it's like I just feel so much more relaxed now that I've gone on like a five or six mile walk. And it's just it's and it's shown to help your emotional and physical well-being. So make sure you're staying physically fit or doing some sort of physical activity while you're in the stages of almost being burnt out. Exactly. And while all of these things may be easier said than done, because sometimes you're so stressed because of work, maybe you have so many deadlines to hit and you're like, okay, well, I have to hit a deadline. I can't just sit around willy-nilly. You have to remember your emotional and your mental and your physical well-being are here. Like we talked about this in, I think, our first season. And it was like, your gravestone isn't going to mention your job successes. It's going to mention great mother, great father, great friend. Like you have to be doing things for yourself. And one of those things that you need to be doing in the workplace is learning to say no. Don't always volunteer for an extra assignment outside your outside your realm. I did that a ton my first few months of work because I wanted to let people know I was a go-getter. And it ended up kind of biting me in the butt because there was one day where I had so much on my plate at my boss who already has a ton on his plate, had to help me because I was doing so much more than a lot of other teammates because I wanted to be a go-getter. And you can't be a go-getter if you have too much on your plate. Yeah, and I would say, like, we did talk about how to be, like, successful um, and have great character traits. Is Like, one is to have initiative, but another one is knowing when to say no, like Becky talked about. So, yes, you should be like Becky and take the initiative to help other people learn new stuff, but also rein it in, in a sense, to where, like, you say no because you're taking on too much. You're no longer taking that initiative because you need to focus on what you have. So it's really hard to, or it's not hard, but you need to learn how to juggle both of those, and it will take some time. Exactly. And as we discussed already, being emotional, excuse me, physically fit, you need to be mentally and emotionally fit. You need to do things that fill your glass besides work because maybe work is so satisfying but you need to do things to keep yourself in check again have your tiktok time see your friends facetime your friends like do things for you take a nap exactly like (laughs) for me i spent the last three weeks at least two or three of those days on vacation which is very rare because it just all happened to be happening in may but it was very important to me. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm spending so much money. And I was like, that's the point of me having a job is to have money to do things I want, to do things to where I'm able to have money to do things that fill my emotional and mental cup. So while my bank account is uh, exponentially decreasing this month, my social battery or my social happiness, my mental, my mental and emotional happiness has never been better this for this year. Woohoo! We love that. So to wrap this episode up and the end of chapter sixteen, McGinnis tells us a story about him, and it's called "How Balls and Bats Gave Me a Break." So McGinnis mentioned this in his book earlier. We've talked about it that he coached youth sports for his kids and stuff, and whatever teams they were on basketball, soccer, baseball, all those sports. He was a coach and he enjoyed it because yes, he was with his kids, but it also allowed him to take the time away from work to give his full attention to something else. It was like a mental, emotional, and physical break for him. And when he went back to work the next morning or even evening after practice was done, he just 
He, he said that his mind felt fresh and gave him time to think. And I think that's one of the best ways that you could like take a break from doing accounting is doing something you love. He liked sports and he lo- obviously loved his family and it was a break for him, but he also got to be with the people he loved and do something he loved. Exactly. Doing things that fill your cup. And like our mom has sort of always told us this, like let's say normally we're having a mental breakdown in college. She's like, go outside, take a walk, clear your head. And while we never wanted to do that because we were like, I can't, I'm so busy. When we ended up doing it, we felt so much better after because we realized my brain is now working. I can now (laughs) think. Like being able to find things that make you happy and help you. Brain cells are now functioning. Your two brain cells are now functioning. Well, everyone, that is the end of this episode of the Accounting Twins Podcast Book Club Edition. We hope you had an amazing time listening to our voices. I know I loved talking. (laughs) Me too. And I guess that's it. We'll see you next time. Have a great day, night, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this. Bye.